0: right? As for me and my house, we will serve you. The snare drum alone makes me want to get up and march and do something about it, right?
1: That was great. It was great. Thank y'all. Good great. morning, C3 family. I'm glad you could join us, and we're thrilled to be here with you. You are. Um, if you've got a copy of the scriptures, I want you to take it and hopefully follow along with us. Uh, you know, there are times in each of our lives as God's children where he puts us in circumstances and situations um, where it is very hard to trust him, to follow him, to wait upon him. Times when um, we know that where we're facing decisions, uh, where we, uh, we know God wants us to do something or not do something, to say no to something or to say yes to something. And it's hard. It's hard to trust him. It's hard to follow him. It's hard to obey him. It's hard to wait on him to ultimately prove to us that he was there and that he's pleased and that he is committed to rewarding us and blessing us. And I want to talk about that today, or we want to talk about that a little bit today, and I want to start off by giving you four examples from Scripture, two from the Old Testament, two from the New Testament, that really uh, address this very issue of times when it's difficult to trust God, follow God, wait upon God, uh, but if we'll do that, there'll be a sure reward that follows, God promises. First example that I thought of was uh, out of 1 Samuel chapter 24. And then again, you almost have the exact same situation uh, in chapter 26, two chapters later. Dealing with David, I'm sort of hung up on David right now. The last month or so, we've talked about David a lot, and I don't even know why, but I'm just so intrigued by the circumstances of his life. And uh, in 1 Samuel 24 and 26, God orchestrates the events of David's life in such a way that he um, has the opportunity to kill his nemesis, uh, King Saul, who has been chasing him, has wronged him, has been trying to kill David. And in two different situations, David is given the opportunity with very little effort to just reach out and kill David. King Saul, and put to an end all of the pains and sufferings of his life. And to ultimately claim the fulfillment of God's promise to David that someday you'll be king. And yet in both of those circumstances, in 1 Samuel 24 and 26, David said no. His friends thought he was crazy. In fact, they said so. Who would not take matters into his own hands and uh, destroy the one that's been trying to destroy to you. Who would not do that? And there
0: were circumstances that made it seem easy. Easy
1: and ripe. right. Justified like would to do not so. Do that? Look, at, and, look at that. And David said, no, I will not do that. I won't take matters into my own hands. Uh, I'm going to trust God to do it his way, and in his timing. I know God doesn't want me to do this, and so I'm not going to do it. Um, and I just, you know, it made me think about how many times in my life, in work situations and in uh, other situations where we are given opportunities, where circumstances are orchestrated so that we can deal with our enemies that which is causing us pain, whether it's in our marriage or with our children's schooling, countless illustrations and examples where all we've got to do is take matters into our own hands and we can end the problems, end the pain, end uh, the, the difficulty, and yet we know it's not right, it's not of God, and we're faced with the choice. Am I going to deal with it my way? Or am I going to wait and let God deal with it his way? And yeah, I think the, the key word, wait and wait. And that's so hard to, to uh, uh, trust God, yeah. to follow God and to wait on God. And I think the question that that story, or those two stories uh, brings or, come, or confronts us with is God asking David and God asking us, Do you want the kingdom? that you can create for yourself? Or do you want the kingdom that I can create for you? You get to pick, and we get to pick. Do we want the kingdom that we can create for ourselves? The marriage, the family, the finances, the, the, the life. Uh, do, we, do we want the kingdom that we can create for ourselves versus do we want the kingdom that God can create for us but that kingdom comes by us trusting, us following, and us waiting. Second example that I thought of comes from, uh, it's about, it's, over oh, or 400 years, maybe 300 years later, same country, Israel, uh, same people, God's people. But it's found in 2 Chronicles 25, and the king of God's people at this time is a uh, king named Amaziah. He's a pretty good king. He, he knows the Lord. He loves the Lord. He wants to follow the Lord pretty, pretty well, not like David uh, at all, but he, he's a believer and a follower of the Lord, and he is in an ongoing conflict with a neighboring country, the Edomites, Esau's descendants, and he's about to engage in this big war with the Edomites, and he realizes that his army the army of God, the army of God's people, is too small to fight this Edomite army. And he comes up with an idea. He turns to an, another neighboring country, a very ungodly country at this time, and he hires their army, basically their mercenaries, and he hires them and pays a lot of money for them to come and join the army of the people of God and they're going to go, and with this, these added men, they're going to go and fight uh, the Edomite army and defeat them. It's a good plan. Logically, militarily, practically, it's a great plan. It cost Amaziah a lot of money to do this. He does it. They, this, these, this ungodly group of soldiers, these mercenaries, come and join the army of God, and uh, they prepare to go and fight this battle <clears throat> and engage in this war. And the, God sends a prophet to Amaziah, And he says, Amaziah, it is wrong for the people of God to look to the ungodly for their deliverance, for their provision, for the solutions to their problems. This is not going to end well. It won't go well, and it won't end well. Get rid of these ungodly people. Don't trust them. Trust me, and it will go well. Well, Amaziah knows and loves God enough that he, he all right, and he, he sends this army of ungodly mercenaries away. But then he asked the prophet uh, uh, to ask God, says, God, what about the money that I spent? I, I've, I've spent all this money creating this very reasonable, wise plan, and now you're telling me to lay those plans down and it's going to cost me a lot of money. What about the money? And God says to King Amaziah, do you not realize that I can give you much more than that? Um, The question that I believe God was asking Amaziah and God's asking us is, do you trust me to give you far more even when it costs you to obey me. Maybe you're going to lose in the short term. Maybe it is going to be costly in the short term. Maybe it seems foolish for you to experience this loss. But will you trust me that if you do the right thing, you trust me, you follow me, you wait on me, you do it my way. Do you trust me enough that I will give you much more than you lost by obeying me. The third story comes in the New Testament and it uh, deals with our Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus is in Luke chapter 12. He's teaching, this, uh, teaching these crowds, all kind of different things and right in the middle of one of his sermons, uh, this man pops up in the crowd and says, Lord Jesus, uh, would you tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? Our parents have died. Half the money's my brother's, half the money's mine. Would you tell him to divide the inheritance with me? And Jesus stops, turns to the man, and he says, um, "Sir, who are really, why do you think that I should play the role of judge in your relationship with your brother?" regarding things like this. Hmm. Why do you think that I should play the role of judge in your relationship with your brother regarding things like this? Um, he goes on in Luke 12 to, uh, to sort of uh, uh, explain what he's talking about and what's really important. And he, he tells the man... Instead of you focusing on your brother and what your brother's doing wrong, what you need to be doing is focusing on your heart because your heart's full of greed. You're more concerned about the family money than you are the family relationships. Your relationship with your brother is far more valuable than this money that you're all upset and mad and consumed with. You need to deal with your own heart. And then he leaves that topic and he goes on to say, don't you realize that my dad takes care of the birds of the of the air and the flowers of the field? He takes care of everything in the universe and he will take care of you. Again, these are hard circumstances. You've got the opportunity to destroy the one that's been trying to destroy you. What are you going to do? That's hard. You have got the opportunity to use a, 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 a Power, a force, a provision—that's ungodly, that's not of God. But you can use it to assure a win. But you know you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to act like the people that you're dealing with. You live by a different standard, by a different set of values. What are you going? It's hard because you could have whoop, assured a win. What do you do? It goes against sense. It's it's bigger than. It, Making sense. Yes. Um, You've you got a family member that's taking money and won't uh, make it right with you. Oh, my goodness. These are hard, hard things. Um, uh, I think Jesus is saying to that, was saying to that man, and I think Jesus is saying to us, do you want me to focus on your priorities? Or do you want to focus on my priorities? If you'll focus on my priorities, my Father's kingdom, Your own heart, how you relate to people, how you uh, handle yourself and leave other people's hearts and (laughs) lives and actions to me, it's going to go so much better. My dad will take care of you. That's hard, though, to to not want to make all that right, to want justice and fairness and equity. And then the last one. Uh, it's in, a, uh, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul is writing at the church at Corinth. And he's talking to them about lawsuits. And he says, my precious brothers and sisters, I hear that y'all are taking each other, Christians taking Christians within the same church, Christians taking Christians to court. Because you're wronging each other, you're suing each other, you're wanting judges to punish each other over Issues that in your relationships, and he says two things that are so significant. Paul says, That ought not be. Wouldn't it be better for you just to accept being wronged than for you to take your brothers and sisters to court? And then he says these two things. He says, Don't you realize that you are standing before non believers? unbelieving judges and courts you're standing before the world airing your dirty laundry you as christians you are 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 revealing to the unsaved world your greed your selfishness your pride your, your you are you're communicating to the unsaved world a message an image of what my of what God the Father's like, what God's kingdom's like, what God's people are like. And then he says, Don't you realize that you're gonna someday judge the angels and the the, the, the countries of the world? And I think God through Paul was saying, Don't you realize that God has a kingdom that He's gonna bring one day? And you're going to rule in that kingdom. You're going to have unlimited power, unlimited resources, unlimited authority. Why are you squabbling over such small, petty, insignificant things? Are you more concerned? I think the question God's asking is, are you going to be more consumed about being right about justice, about fairness, about equity, about giving your way and defending your reputation, is that more important to you than the reputation of God, the reputation of God's kingdom, the reputation of God's people in the eyes of an unsaved world? Now, all four of those examples, those are hard. That's a hard truth. Those are very hard situations, but God... Clearly in all four of these situations, he's saying, will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you wait on me to defend you, to provide for you, to protect you, to deal with your enemies, to deal with your problems? And if you do, I promise you, it'll be worth it. I will bless you. And my blessings will be certain, my blessings will be great, my blessings will be satisfying. Trusting and waiting on God, it's hard. It demands risk and sacrifice. Often it demands loss and misunderstanding and even the scorn of other people. But God asks us to trust him. And if we do, God asks us to trust Him. God asks us to follow Him. God asks Him to wait, ask us to wait on Him. But if we do, He promises that He can do and will do the impossible. He'll do that which is more and He'll do that which is better. It's so hard though, and I acknowledge this in my own life, it's so hard to let go, to let go of our control. To let go of our reputation, to let go of what we believe is right and fair and reasonable and just. It's so hard to not take matters into our own hands. Does that remind you of a story? It does. <laughs> Much to my shame and dismay, but it does. So uh, talking about taking matters into one's own hands. Let me stop and say I've grown and changed and matured since, the, okay, since this. Okay, yeah. that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. So
0: this actually did happen a long time ago in the early 90s, before the Internet, I think. And um, we yeah. were, Larry had a job where...
1: No cell phone. No cell phone. Uh-uh. That's
0: right. So that far back. Larry had a job. With a missions organization, where he would, because there was no internet, he would go to these places physically, go to places to check on the projects, churches, and, and the missionaries, churches. Yeah, and yeah.
1: different projects that we were working on. Because yeah. you had
0: to, you know, kind of get your eyes the on
1: a wall things. in Eastern Europe had just fallen yeah, the right. year before. That's right. Yeah.
0: And so, no. on this particular trip, um, it was a work trip, but it was also going to be for pleasure. I went, and his brother and sister-in-law went. And we were travelling we by train. By train yeah, from the, France all the way to Romania.
1: Yeah, so it was yeah. kind of it was a quite deal. A thing, yeah. It was a deal back then. Yes.
0: Um, and so that was also before the Euro, so you had to change money everywhere. Every
1: went. country. Mm-hmm.
0: So we were we went from um, France and then we were travelling through Hungary in Budapest.
1: In every country you went through you changed, and you changed trains money. and you had to change money, you had to change trains and the trains got Scarier and scary, you know. yeah, just crummier and crummier. Yeah, yeah. And yeah it was just a tough So deal. we were in
0: Budapest mm. and we were about to get on this this intense train into <laughs> Romania, and they had mm. said the guide had said and people had said, don't change money on the streets. When you get there, you yeah. have to go to the bank, and or, you, there was no ATM. And we got there on a
1: Sunday. They said wait till Monday morning to go to the bank to exchange money. Do not do it on don't the street. Don't do it on the street. And wait on the man that was going to meet us, and on Monday morning, and he'll. Help you do it. People on the street will tell you that they'll give you a better exchange rate. But don't do that. It's very, that's, it was very dangerous. Right, right. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So that was it. Well, mm. so the two men that I was traveling with both thought that perhaps we they knew better, knew better yes. and didn't want to wait until yes. the next morning. We
1: can, we're can. we world travelers. We can do we this. We know what we're doing yeah, or whatever. So best.
0: sure enough, I mean, almost immediately, I mean, the minute we, we got out on the street, people started coming. Sunday afternoon. Change your money, up. change your money, mm-hmm. change your money. So... My yes. sister and I, sister-in-law and I were like, now, you know, the man said, <laughs> don't do this. Wait till something wait till Monday morning and, and we can do it at the bank. But this one guy came up. He was very trustworthy looking. He was mm-hmm. cute. And he said, I'm going to give you a much better exchange. He immediately knew we were tourists. Tourists, tourist, yeah, tour. we looked like, yeah. So um, they were going to exchange something like $100, which... Now it doesn't sound like much, but at the time seemed like a lot of money.
1: And I think it was I think it was more like 300 dollars well, but nonetheless. If, anyway, yeah. and so
0: my sister-in-law and I were like, don't do it, don't do it. But Larry and his brother decided they were gonna give it a try. The guy was very convincing. He said, This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna mm-hmm. I've got but the
1: money. We were, just, we, were hard heads. Yeah. we were hard heads and, and we're hard. we know better and yeah. we can do it and we don't need to listen to anybody else. And that's so uh, my uh, the, the guys decided this is what we're gonna do so you won't
0: trick us. We're going to put our money in our hand. This is the funniest part. And you put the money in your hand. And then at the same time, kind of like in a movie, or is ridiculous, we're going to change the hands. And <laughs> Open their hands up and yeah. you pluck it out of mine and I'll pluck it out of yours. It sounded like a good plan. You know, we're holding this money out. And he had the money. And you because see he counted it out and everything. So as they were switching to the hands, the way it worked was the guy, the the, the money changer guy, turned and looked and goes, policey, 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 because we knew it was against the law or against... It was against the law. No, it was against the law. And when he said that, of course, all four of us looked for the policeman because we were guilty. We were doing this thing or actually they were
1: guilty. Yeah. They were
0: doing this thing, right? Yes. And sure enough, he snatched up that money and off he went.
1: I opened up my hand and the minute I did, he said, "Please police, police, police. <laughs> He grabbed my money and did not open his hand and let no, me grab. No, he did not. That, and by yes. the t-
0: I'm telling you, by the time we looked back from the corner where he had said police, police,
1: he was long gone. They were gone. It was several of them. And Anyway, they. so let's see, let's see. What's the point here? Yeah, yeah. We did not. I wait. was not willing to trust the instructions of the man in Hungary uh, and wait until yeah. Monday morning to do what was right. I knew better. I knew I could take care of it myself. I didn't have to follow the rules and the wisdom Imagine of the one that, that knew better. Imagine and that. I lost, I think it was $300 as a result. And it was a very discouraging <laughs> afternoon. And <laughs> my wife and my sister in law looked at me. We were very gracious, uh, extremely uh, yes, gracious. Yes, they looked I'm at sure. me like they should have. And that was, <laughs> you are a, a, just an idiot. You're an idiot. Uh, and I was. Uh, it is very hard to trust and to follow and to be wise and to wait, to wait, to wait when we have been given instructions and directions that we know are right. We know are of God. And yet, it, we can it, beat the system. We can beat the system. We can expedite the system. We can end problems. We can make things better, or at least we think we can. And we're unwilling um, to trust, to follow, and to wait. Well, that's because that's and, very hard to do. And it's, it is hard. Um, you know, the the, the key, the, the, the issue there, the real core issue was, I really didn't believe that the man in Hungary was committed to my good and was wise and knew best for me. I, th- I thought I knew best. And I thought I was more committed to my good than he was. Yeah. And because of that, I experienced great loss. The ability to trust and to wait comes not from situations that are easy or the fact that we have an abundance. We are willing to, to trust and to wait when we're convinced that there is an anticipated joy Waiting for us, if we will just trust and follow and obey, with the confidence that there's something better waiting ahead. Somebody really does know more than we do. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, I think Somebody exactly who right. loves us really does. Yes. More. It's like it's like following a parent, you know, a, a good parent.
1: Yes, yes,
0: um, it's hard to do. It's, kids, it's,
1: kids don't. Know and that it's that hard girls for kids. All the time. It's hard for adults. Yeah. Um, That anticipated joy that God has got a great future for us, a future that no one can rob us of, a future that no one can uh, minimize or diminish, a future that is certain and will be better than we could have ever hoped for. That anticipated joy of that great future, do I really believe that it's there Do I really believe it's real? Do I really believe it's waiting on me if I will... That that joy of knowing that something good is ahead if I'll trust and follow and obey. Listen to what the Bible says about that anticipated joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of of the Lord is my strength. The strength that I need to endure, to lay down, to obey, to do right, to yield, to follow, to wait. That joy of knowing that if I trust and follow and wait on God, something good is coming. And it gives me the strength to do the hard thing. But I've got to believe that joy is coming. Uh, Hebrews 12, Apostle Paul says this about the Lord Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from evil people so that you won't become weary and quit. In Psalm 30, David talked about this anticipated joy. It's difficult now. But there is a joy coming. In Psalm 30, David says, God's anger lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy will come in the morning. Jesus talked about it in John 15, where he says, I've given you my commands, my instructions, my rules, the things that I want you to do. Why? so that my abundant joy may be in you. Peter said it this way in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, don't repay evil for evil or insults for insults. Give a blessing instead. That's God's calling upon your life, and he will bless you for doing it. The scriptures say that if you want a long and joyful life, don't speak or do evil, Instead, do good. Seek and protect peace, for the Lord watches over and listens to people who do right. Even And even if you suffer for doing right, God will reward you for it. David, Amaziah, the Lord Jesus, and the Apostle Paul, they all, in those examples that I gave, encouraged and challenged us to look ahead to that anticipated joy, that which God had for these people and for us in the future, rather than focusing on the difficulty of today, the pain of today, the wrong of today, the injustice of today, to focus on the joy that will come in the future. Do I believe that? Will I choose to believe that? Do I believe that God's power, God's love, and God's wisdom are greater than all the forces of the universe? And that God has committed that power, that love and that wisdom to me and to you, to our good, to fulfilling, to creating and fulfilling that good, joy-filled future. Do I believe um I was just thinking? Uh, this morning about the fact that the very first story in the Bible, it's not Genesis, it's Job. The very first story in the Bible, Job. The greatest story in the Bible, the story of Jesus dying and rising again. And the last story in the Bible, the story of Revelation, the the, the the end times. The first story in the Bible, the life of Job. The greatest story in the Bible, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In the last story in the Bible, the book of Revelation, all three of those stories declare the same message, and that is that God gives, God takes away, but in the end, God gives way more, way better, and way longer. I want to say it again because that's good for us to remember. The first story in the Bible, the greatest story in the Bible, and the last story in the Bible, they all declare the same thing, and that is that God gives, God takes away, but in the end, God gives way more, way better, and way longer. In fact, I would suggest that the testimony of the Bible, the scriptures, is nothing more than a compilation of all The testimonies of people throughout the scriptures without exception. It's nothing more than a compilation of testimonies of satisfied customers. Customers that would declare that God is worthy to be trusted. God is worthy to be followed. And God is worthy to be waited upon. Uh, that What's that deal that Rainy uses uh, on the computer? Uh, she goes and, before they eat at a restaurant, they see how many people... Oh, Yelp. Yelp. Okay, I, I don't do <laughs> Yelp, but Clearly. my daughter uh, goes on Yelp to, to see how many people are happy with the restaurant before they'll ever go eat there. Yeah. Well, the Bible is nothing more than a compilation of customers. Customers of God. And from beginning to end, their testimony declares that god is worthy to be trusted and followed and waited upon and that his god gives in their lives god gives yay god takes away oh dear but in the end god gives more god gives better and god gives longer i want to just end with these verses In Psalm 147, the Bible says, God doesn't delight in the strength of horses and warriors, but he takes great pleasure in all who will fear him, all who will put their hope in his steadfast love. And in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart has ever imagined all that God has for those who love Him, I hope that you'll ponder this week these four passages that I used as examples. I hope you'll go back and look at them in uh, uh, First Samuel, uh, yeah, First Samuel chapters twenty-four and twenty-six, in Second Chronicles twenty-five, in Luke chapter twelve. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, read these passages and wrestle with them and let them challenge you to consider that there is an anticipated joy that if we'll believe it and cling to it, it'll give us the strength to do the difficult things today. I want you, if you have wine or juice and you have some bread, celebrate the Lord's Supper with us today. Um, We eat this bread, which represents the body of our Savior, and we drink this wine or juice, which represents his blood. And we do that for many reasons, not the least of which is that we're declaring in the eating and drinking of this. We believe that going through difficulties today in our faith and obedience to Christ is worth it. It's worthy because God has something good for us in the future. There's an anticipated joy. Do this until the, Paul says, do this until the return of the Lord Jesus. What's, what's he saying there? There's an anticipated joy that Jesus is going to come back and we eat and drink to declare. We believe that yeah. and we're committed to that. So eat and drink with us and celebrate his life, his death, and his resurrection. to read one last passage of scripture uh, out of psalm 37 just a few verses listen to what david says in psalm 37 it deals with the very issue that we're talking about today
0: psalm 37 verses 1 through 11 do not worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong for like grass they will soon fade away like spring flowers they soon wither trust in the lord and do good Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Mm. Be still in the presence (coughs) of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or (coughs) fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Mm. Turn from your (coughs) rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear, and though you will look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land, (coughs) and they will live in peace and prosperity.
1: Thank you for joining us today. God bless you.
2: I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able i will sing of the goodness of god it's your goodness is running after it's running after Your goodness is running after, it's running out to me. With my life laid down, i am surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running out to me. Your goodness is running after, it's running out. Your goodness is running out, to, it's running out to me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Cause your goodness is running out, to, it's running out to me. And all my life, you have been faithful. sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. And Thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. Come back next week. We'll be here at Facebook Live, YouTube Live at